Let us be attentive. O Lord, save your people and bless your inheritance. To you, O Lord, have I cried, O my God. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's second letter to Timothy. Let us be attentive. Timothy, my son, always be steady, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already on the point of being sacrificed. The time of my departure now has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Peace be with you, the reader. <laughs> Wisdom arrives. Let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Let us be attentive. <laughs> the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who shall prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And there went out to him all the country of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and had a leather girdle around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Prussian king, Frederick the Great, was once uh, touring a prison in Berlin. The prisoners fell on their knees before him to proclaim their innocence, crying out, I'm not guilty, I'm innocent, except for one man who remained silent. And so Frederick called to him, why are you here? Armed robbery, your majesty, was the reply. And are you guilty? Yes, indeed, your majesty, I deserve my punishment. Frederick then announced and called the jailer and ordered him, release this guilty wretch at once. I will not have him kept in this prison here for he will corrupt all these fine innocent people who occupy it. Note the fates of these people, brothers and sisters, the ones who would not acknowledge their crimes and take ownership for their mistakes, remained bound in prison, while the one who made no excuses but openly confessed his crime, even saying the punishment was just and deserved, was granted pardon and released. And this is how things are when it comes to matters of the spirit. For spiritual laws are at work, and there are many familiar examples for us to look to. Take the parable of the publican and the Pharisee. The Pharisee went to the temple and he prayed before God full of pride, as if he was, we could say, the cat's meow and free from all sin, while the publican a lowly tax collector, stood in the back of the temple and dared not even raise his eyes towards heaven because he had true self-awareness, knowing full well his own sins, and therefore simply and silently cried out to God, O oh God, forgive me, a sinner, and have mercy on me. It was the humble publican who was saved, Jesus tells us, not the haughty Pharisee. And of the two thieves nailed on crosses next to Jesus Christ, they mocked him, rather one mocked him, while the other confessed aloud and saying, we are rightly and justly crucified for our crimes deserving this punishment. It was this thief that confessed, deeply aware of his sinfulness, that entered paradise that very day. King David, confronted by the prophet Nathan for his double sin of murder and adultery, made no excuse, but confessed to Nathan, saying, I have sinned before the Lord. And then Nathan bestowed God's forgiveness, saying to David, the Lord has taken away your sin. You shall not die. And what of Peter, who wept bitterly after betraying Christ? Or the prodigal son, who confessed before his father and fell down before him? I have sinned before heaven and earth, and I am no longer fit to be called your son. 
or the wicked but repented King Manasseh, who prayed thus, The sins I have committed are more in number than the sand of the sea. My transgressions are multiplied, O Lord. They are multiplied. I am unworthy to look up and see the height of heaven because of the multitude of my iniquities. What of all these people, I ask you? They were pardoned. They were forgiven. They were justified in the sight of God exactly because they recognized their faults and made no excuses. They were ready to accept their just deserts, even death and everlasting condemnation. But the wonder is how God in an instant reverses matters. How he releases the criminal, exonerates the condemned, converts tears into joy, exalts the humble, raises the fallen, gives life to the one dead in sin after only a heartfelt and sincere repentance and confession. This is why we heard this morning that the masses were fleeing into the desert to be baptized by John's baptism of repentance, confessing their sins. They understood God's mercy and that no one can pull the wool over his eyes. They knew the scriptures that say, none is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And yet, our God is a loving God, abounding in mercy and compassion, and almost even before the confession of sins leaves our own lips, he forgives us. And this is why, beloved, confession is necessary. It is not optional. We must first find fault with ourselves, preached St. Cosmas at Tolos, and then we will be saved. St. John the theologian writes in his first epistle, if we confess our sins, God is merciful and just, and he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession is the physical and tangible act of repentance. Confession shows that we own our sins and our mistakes. Confession is, expresses, is expressing exactly what David says in Psalm 40. Incline not my heart to evil words to make excuses for sins. Confession is a crite, contrite and humbled heart before God. Confession causes the angels in heaven to rejoice, says Jesus. Confession is another baptism, a baptism of tears that washes away our sins. Confess your sins, writes St. James, that you may be healed. And so on this eve of the great feast of Holy Theophany, as we approach the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who needs no washing, but has shown us the way to salvation. Let us heed the preaching of the Baptist, whose first word was repent, and confess together with that repentant King Manasseh, 
O Lord Almighty, God of our fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you are the maker of heaven and earth. The wrath of your threat against sinners cannot be resisted, yet immeasurable and unsearchable is your promised mercy. For you are the Lord most high, of great compassion, long-suffering, and very merciful, turning away from the evils of men. You, Lord, according to the abundance of your goodness, have promised repentance and forgiveness to those who have sinned against you. And in the multitude of your mercies, you have appointed repentance for sinners, that they may be saved. For you, Lord, are the God of those who repent, and all the powers of the heaven sings your praises, and yours is the glory forevermore. Amen. Please rise.